All right. Well, before we get started, I, I have to to confess, and it it really it, it was a it was a bad moment on Friday, and it's one of those that you're like, um, if if people like if there was a recording of me in this moment, it 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 would not go over well, right? Like it, it would sink careers, you know. And, and you're thinking, my gosh, what did he do? Well, I will explain. Our Amazon Prime video was having a problem and wasn't working. And so we had made some calls and we're talking to people and, and, um, and finally we get this uh, person and, and they tell us, well, your account, you, you, your accounts past due or, you know, you have, to, okay, okay, well, and so we paid $99 and then it uh, still didn't work. And, and so you realize, wait, I don't think we paid Amazon $99. So we started doing some research. Sure enough, it wasn't Amazon that we paid $99 to. So we ta- talked to Amazon and we got the problem resolved. And then I get a courtesy call from the other people that we had paid $99 to, who now we have already uh, canceled our debit card and we are getting that money back. So it's going to be fine. But they call me to see how things are going. <laughs> and, and I'm trying in my mind, I'm like, okay, how can I, you know, how can I inflict the most damage over the phone? And there's all, there's not much. And, but then I, I kind of go back. I was like, no, maybe, maybe I can do something to turn them in. I'll file a police report. I know. I you know I mean, what are they going to do? But okay, I'll do it. So I'm, t- oh yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate your help. I'm being nice. I'm trying to be a good Christian. And, and, uh, and he was like, oh yeah, we just want to make sure everything's going well and stuff like that. I said, yeah, I said, I really, I, everything's gone good, but I really would like for you to send me your information. I need a little bit more info um, about, you know, can, so can you send that information to me? Like, you know, your name, where you are, you know, stuff like that. Oh, oh, certainly I can send that to your email. And I said, well, your Amazon, you should have my email, right? Oh yes. But what we just need to verify. And I was like, ah, I, I, I'm pretty sure you have my email. And, uh, and, and so I'm still trying. I'm like, I'm not a very good detective, so I'm not able to set a trap for him. But I'm trying to get some information. And then I said, well, well what's your name? And this is so inappropriate, but I'm making a judgment by the sound of his voice. It was, it, it was gruff, kind of, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't as from India like you normally do. But you could, you could tell the, the accent. And whenever I asked his name, he said his name was Fitz, like a Swedish Fitz. I, I lost it. I don't know what it was. Something snapped. And I, I mean, and I, that, I said, that is, and I, I just went off. I, I, I could not handle it anymore. I said, I know you're, this is a scam. I know you're a criminal, all this stuff. And he hung up. And then, and then later, I get a text. Kid you not, 
a text saying how things went. And so I played along. And then, uh, and then they give me a number. And, uh, and so now I have that number. And I said, by the way, I know you're a criminal. And I, now I have another number to submit to the police and all this. What, what are you going to do? I don't know. But I felt better about doing that. <laughs> but I will say, the language, like I reverted back to high school locker room. Like it was, it was like, I, and, and so I, I, I do, I have weird feelings. Like I do repent of that, but I'm not really sorry for it. Like it was just weird. Like, so, so I'm asking God, God to help me on that. I may need a, a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of juicy, but, but I, I laugh about it, but it, it was very frustrating. Like, you know, whenever, cause you're like just the blatant evil. I mean, and, and I mean, this is just $99. We're getting it back. It's, you know, but the fact that that's out there all the time, right. And we're, we're pretty aware of that stuff and pay attention to that stuff. And still, and, and it's only going to get worse. Um, it's just very, very frustrating. <laughs> well, actually, that's that's where it started out. It's ninety nine dollars a year, so 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 it actually fit with some of the stuff. But uh, yeah, so you know, anyway, I, I I do encourage you. But does a sin really happen if it's just between you and a scam artist on the phone? I, I don't. I, don't think so. I, th- I think that's a that's a loophole. It's somewhere in there. <laughs> so, but anyway, that. I, I was really excited about finishing up Romans, not because we're just finishing Romans, but you know, it, I, I've enjoyed going through Romans. That Romans is a, a great letter. It's talked so much about uh, about sin, but the glory of God and His forgiveness and our our relationship with them, and and all through uh, Romans is this uh, theme of unity, of keeping that group together. Right, because they Paul knew there were going to be so many things that's going to try to pull them apart, and specifically for in Rome, all of those cultural differences, all of the different kinds of ways of going about worshiping, ritual differences. Right, so you had Jews and you had Gentiles. So then you had Jews who still wanted to be very strict to the old Jewish ways, and then you had Jews who were like. No, we no longer have to be as strict to the rituals. Remember, that's one thing very important. And one of the reasons that I got very upset in some of my preparation for this, not doing away with the law, not doing away with what is considered sinful, but doing away with, there's not necessarily one way to do it. There's not one way to worship God. There's not one ritual uh, to, to follow, right? So you had Jews that were strict, Jews that had, had adjusted a little bit. Then you had Gentiles who some had come from probably extreme, horrific pagan customs, right? Of how they worshiped God. Um, and now, now they're worshiping the one true God. And so they, some of them wanted to be very strict and like, man, we can't look anything at all like what we were. And then some kind of incorporated some of that. There's all kinds of stuff going on into how they were going to function together as a body. And Paul knew how hard that was going to be. And so his focus is constantly, and we're going to look in Romans chapter 15 and 16, 
Um, his, his focus is constantly, it's all about Jesus. You focus on him and his message, right? Don't, don't worry about who eats steak and who eats hamburgers, right? right? Let's, let's focus on what's important. You've got to keep this unity in Christ together. And so let's uh, read the first part of chapter 15 of Romans. It says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Remember, he was talking about faith and the maturity of faith. Those who had a, a less mature faith versus those who had a more mature faith, that, that can be difficult. Right? So that's what he's talking about here whenever he says weak and strong. So we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that last <laughs> phrase there. You will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's lots in there that, that Paul is, uh, is, is talking about, and he's really trying to get people to focus on what is most important and not to get sidetracked on just some of the normal differences between Jews and Gentiles, because Jews and Gentiles had been separate, right? And, and we as human beings find many reasons to separate ourselves, right? And say, okay, who is welcome to walk through that door? And that's it's a good, good way to, to think of it. If, if Paul was writing to us, he may say, okay, who are you willing to let walk through the door? And our answer should be, Anyone, because Jesus accepts everyone to come to him. He then also calls for change. He calls all of us to change. But he is inviting and he is calling anyone who is willing to come. So as a church, the door should be open to anyone, no matter what their beliefs are no matter what their background is, no matter what ethnicity they are, no matter what religion they are, no matter what sexual orientation they are. It doesn't matter. All are welcome to come. Jesus is inviting. He wants all to come, right? 
He didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. He's inviting you to come. And he accepts you to enter into his presence. But then he calls for change. Then he offers forgiveness that comes from repentance. And, And that's where things get a little dicey. Because we kind of, we like the accepting culture. And so in that uh, passage, verse 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. If you're not careful, you can read that as, well, we just need to accept people the way they are. No, Jesus accepted people where they were, but then he expected there to be a change that comes through repentance, right? Because when you enter in, whenever you truly enter into a relationship with Christ and you recognize our sinfulness and your own sinfulness, if you've truly entered into a relationship with him, you should desire to start to change those things that you, where you fall short. Right? And we know it can be very difficult, especially whenever it's attached to, to who you are. And if you've lived that way and in that sin, no matter what it is, for so long, it can be very hard to overcome that. But you should desire to start overcoming it. So so Paul is, is encouraging them, never put barriers to where the Gentiles don't feel like they can come in. And Gentiles never put barriers where the Jews don't feel like they can come in. Right? understand that it's also, it's going to be very difficult, right? That that the the church, when you bring all these different people with all these different backgrounds and all these different ideas, that it's going to be challenging. He says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Now, you don't use terms like endurance if it's going to be easy. <laughs> you know, you don't have to build up your endurance for the 100-meter dash. I would, right, <laughs> at, this, at this point. But if you're training for the 100 meters, you don't really worry about endurance as much, right? Because you know you're hitting it and it's going to be over quick. So you're just expending all your energy. That's not what the church is. The church is here for the long haul, right? We're here to be a, to impact society day in and day out, right? And so we have to endure. You have to strengthen and you have to recognize, man, there's going to be all kinds of things that are trying to cause division. And we have to make sure that we don't let the silly stuff cause the division. You see, the, the, the foundation of the church is ultimately Christ. And that's what Paul is pointing to, right? He's saying, look at what Christ did. He came specifically to unite the Jews and the Gentiles, to unite everyone, right? That, uh, that it, it wasn't just one specific people group that God cared about. No, he cared about everyone. He was using one's people group to share that message. But now, no, he has come. And so the doors are open to everyone. 
And all of our petty little differences don't matter anymore. Right? If, if we are coming to worship and to praise and to glorify God. So that foundation is really secure. That's a strong foundation of the church. However, when you start looking at each individual church, our foundations are not as strong. No matter how, no matter what you do, it's kind of like <laughs> the the city, and not that I have been there, the city of Venice, right? Now I have I have been to uh, um, the casino and uh, hotel in uh, Las Vegas, Paris, and they have a little Venice Channel for the low low price of like eighty five dollars. You can get into this little boat for like ten minutes. Um, you know, <laughs> but so that that's that's my my knowledge of that. But you look at Venice and you look at that city; it's quite incredible, right? Like its foundation is made up of like 120 islands, right? But there's there's no streets; it's water. All every street is water, so the foundations have to go way down. And there's a lot of things that can happen to kind of mess with those foundations. Right? Anything goes wrong. You, know, you have a little bit of rise, a, a big wave comes in. That can be problems. Right? Your foundation starts to, to get, get weak here. Well, it, it, it takes some, some doing to strengthen that foundation. Right? So our foundation is in Christ, which is completely secure whenever we talk about the church as a whole. But when we talk about individual churches, that foundation is still there. But there's so many things that can cause problems at any time. Right? And, and that's one of the things that we see quite a bit. You know, and, and all churches try to handle it differently. You know, whether individual churches or individual denominations have different leadership structures, have all kinds of different ways, because we all know that the division is constantly there. Right? There's the potential for it. That, that the church is always being attacked. And I think it's important for us to, to not get, get overwhelmed on critiquing the structures of different churches because they all have problems and they all have some good things about them. I've, I've worked in numerous denominations. You know, I grew up in a, in a Methodist church. Basically, the local church has no very little control of, of pastoral leadership, right? So that is the, the bishops up here, right? Assign your, your, uh, who's going to come to your church, right? There's, there's some good things that can happen with that, right? There's also can be some really bad and negative things that come from that, right? Then you have the Baptist tradition, which the local church has full control, Right? They, they can bring whoever they want to in. I know that one of the things whenever I uh, uh, went uh, to First Baptist in Sweetwater, there was a lot of question whether I was Baptist enough right? because I didn't grow up in the Baptist church. Now, I spent like over $50,000 to get a degree from a Baptist seminary, but that's not quite as good as being birthed in the Baptist church. Right? And... and 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 so there's there was uh, there's a lot of control that the local body has. 
there can be some good things in that. But, but then it's like, well, what control does the pastor have? Where does the spiritual leadership truly come from, right? From, from people who were elected as deacons or from someone who went to school and went to seminary or who gave, the, the, there's no right answer, right? It's difficult. It is very, very challenging. And Paul knows this, right? And that's why at the, the end, I love what he says there in verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So he knows it's going to be, it's going to be hard, but know that the Spirit is working and that we can overcome a lot of these divisions and that if, especially if we are aware that they're out there right? and that we are constantly on guard and, and making sure we are not allowing them to come into the church, especially those divisions which are based on differences like Jews and Gentiles, right? Because those are just, when it comes down to it, those are silliness, right? Because they're not getting to the heart of the gospel message, right? So, so Paul would dismiss all of those things. Now, Paul continues on. And in uh, the, the last part of chapter 15, we're not going to read, um, is just, it talks about how Paul is, uh, is, feels called to directly go to the Gentiles, right? That that is his, his calling, is I am, I am reaching out to the Gentiles, and he um, is so excited about doing that. And then he talks about, I've been wanting to come to, to see you in Rome for a long time, and now we're collecting money to come. And, and so he's kind of setting up his, uh, he, he's going to be going to Spain, and says that he's going to be going to Spain, but that, that way he's going to get to go to Rome. Um, what's interesting is, uh, Paul, whenever you kind of piece it all together through Acts, um, I, I think Paul got to the point, it's like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to get to Rome, so I'm just going to get arrested, and then I'm going to uh, 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 appeal to Caesar, and so then they're going to bring me to Rome. And yeah, I'll be in prison, but at least I'll get to Rome, right? So it's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> that's, what, that's one way to use the government in your advantage, you know? Hey. But so so Paul uh, is is talking about how he wants to get to Rome and he he's uh, finally going to get there. Then chapter sixteen starts off and he just starts listing a lot of people. Um, so you can tell that he knows a lot of the the workings that are going on in Rome. And so it to me it, it kind of brings this letter more alive. Whenever you start you see all of these names probably. Some of those people had written to Paul and said, "Hey, um, we've got these people coming in, and you know they're not circumcised, and you know they still eat meat like from pigs, you know." And Paul, that's why he's writing this, right? These are real people who love the Lord, and but it's still it's challenging. And then so Paul, you know, gives lots of praise to all of them. One, one passage that people really don't like, um, um, it starts off, says uh, to our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon, um, you know, there's certain traditions that don't like uh, that, that passage. It, 
And it's the same word deacon is used as in deacon is simply servant, by the way. Like we have made that this elevated, oh, you're a deacon. It means you're a servant, right? So, but, but I've always found that fascinating that in the New Testament, there is a woman deacon. Um, and, uh, and so he goes through, talks about all these people. And then it's kind of his parting. Uh, he's, he's winding up the letter. And, and I don't know why this, this just really jumped out to me. But in verse 17 of chapter 16, it says this. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Then skipping to verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about the Lord Jesus in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the one to the only wise God be glory forever through Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. I thought that was really interesting what he says. <laughs> he says about certain people and individuals that you have to truly be on guard against them. Right? He says, watch out for those who cause division. Put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've uh, learned. Keep away for, from them, for such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites. thought that was interesting. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. And then he, he goes... I rejoice because he, he says that's not happening with it. Y'all are doing a good job right now. Right? He says, I know you are being obedient. Right? And he says, I, re, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Now, what is innocent about what is evil? That doesn't mean that you're not aware of what is evil. In fact, it means you are fully aware of what is evil so that you don't become part of it. He wants you to be innocent of doing that. Well, the only way that we can be innocent of doing evil is when we know what evil is. And then he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I mean, he, this is the spiritual battle that he's laying out, right? And it's just real short, and he's talked about it before, if you remember Romans chapter one, what he talked about, that people begin given over to a depraved mind. Now, in the past, I, I would 
I've always preached on things like this. You talk about division. You talk about you know those that try to cause division. But we would just kind of talk about it in a, for lack of a better term, a, a, an academic way, right? Um, rather than saying, here is what that looks like. Because that gets a little uncomfortable, right? And, and, and frankly, as, as many divisions and as difficulties as we've had in the church within America, most of those have been stupid divisions and things that don't matter in the big picture, right? Now, they weaken the church, and they did the job to weaken the church, unfortunately. But they were, okay, well, who, who can be in this position of leadership? Who can be in that position of leadership? What style of music? What, how, what, what is, what, what does the, how do we do the communion? How, all of that st- stuff, right? That's kind of the Jew-Gentile stuff that Paul is trying to say, listen, this is about Jesus. There is a difference when the division starts to be a blatant attempt to introduce sin and to normalize sin within the body. In fact, a a desire to get the church to be a messenger of sinfulness, right? That that's kind of where where Paul is is talking about here. You better be careful. In fact, you get them out. Right? It's it's no longer you accept, but you have to actively get them out. And I I, I hate the fact that I believe, you know, and I, I wasn't in the military, but I, I can imagine there is a difference in being in the military and when there is no conflict going on, when you're not active, an active war anywhere. It's still very important. You still go through all the same motions and trainings and things like that because you know that at any moment something could happen. But we're human, and even if you're in military, your attitude and everything, you can be on guard for that moment, and you can be prepared, but you know that you can just go to your house that night or go to your barracks or whatever, and you can sleep well. There's a difference when the war is on, right? Like now you're, you are on constant guard and you are ready and everything is up. The trainings, the preparation, all of that. And when you go to bed at night, you know you're probably going to be okay, but you, you sleep a little bit different, I would imagine, right? I feel like for the most of my preaching career, we've been in the mode of, okay, we're, we understand there's a spiritual battle out there, but it's, it, it doesn't feel like it's active, right? We know that it is, and we push back. You know what? Times have changed. We are in a spiritual dogfight, and if we're not aware of it, it it's, it's raging around you. <laughs> and, and so... Now, whenever I read passages like this that talk about there will be those who, who uh, bring in things that are evil and, uh, and they prey on the minds of the na- naive and they use flattering language and it sounds really sweet. 
I said, you know what? We need to see what that looks like. And I was listening to a podcast and it just jumped out to me because um, the Romans 14, which is where all of this kind of unity stuff started, um, Romans 14 was mentioned. And the ministry to the Gentiles is mentioned in this clip that we're going to see in just a moment. And I realized that's what this looks like. And that to set this up, this is a, uh, a debate or, uh, in the Church of England, um, which, by the way, using the Church of England um, as an example of anything is kind of funny because how did the Church of England start? Because a king wanted to divorce his wife so he could sleep with more people, and then he wanted to be able to behead the ones that he had divorced. And so, okay, the Catholic Church, they're just too stuffy. They are not progressive enough to let me behead wives and sleep with whoever I want. So now we're going to start the Church of England. And it started. <laughs> not a great way to start. Okay, now, and, and also the Church of England is the reason why there is America. Because the Church of England persecuted so many <laughs> Christians that they left and they came over here. So anyway... The Church of England has lots of problems, um, so this is not surprising. But they are. This is recently. This is a debate. Uh, they're trying to figure out what are they going to do with gay marriage. Okay, and uh, and I, I'll let you know what they they determine is that they will not marry, but they will give God's blessings and prayers of thankfulness for a civil union, it's kind of, they're walking the, the line and they're making everybody mad. Um, and more than likely they will eventually cave. Um, this is, this is happening all over the Anglican church in Scotland. They already, you can get married. Um, this is just one issue. And I, I understand, but this is, this is the end that Satan is using to divide the church. And this is why it's such a tough issue. Think about what he says, the using nice language, using flattery. And uh, these were two individuals that were obviously su supportive in trying to get the Church of England to uh, support gay marriage. The first one that is speaking actually was in leadership in the church for years and years and years. And then in 2015, uh, she came out as gay, still served uh, within the church and has become an extreme activist. Uh, but this is uh, them talking to the leadership of the Church of England. Deeply inconsistent that whilst the Archbishop of Canterbury has recognized at Lambeth that there is a plurality of views on sexuality held with deep theological integrity across the communion, the Church of England does not. So why is this? I believe it's because we've not settled the crucial question as to whether people like me, who by our nature and birth are, just like the Gentiles were in Acts, different, can have sex. Are our sexual relationships sinful, or do we, like Peter, accept God's command not to call anything impure that God has made clean? Romans 14 tells us how to handle contentious matters, things that we disagree about. We should welcome fellow believers with open arms, even fellow believers who don't see things the way we do. 
Right. Now, it's a little harder to take the second person seriously. But the, the, the first one, I, I have mixed emotions. One, I, I have a lot of pity and sadness. Um, and then I have a lot of anger. Because, and, and this is going to come, I don't care. Those were demonic words flowing from the mouths of those people who are created in the image of God, but whose minds have been, been depraved and they are confused and they are destroying, intentionally trying to destroy the church of God. But it's done in a way, it's hard to get all upset. It's very laid out. It's very, why don't you accept just the way that God accepts? But talk about bastardizing scripture. That is, that is what was happening there. And we, we have to wake up to that. Right? We have to see that and, and recognize that it's happening. And it's, it's nearly, it's never too late. But we've allowed it to infiltrate so much because we haven't confronted language like that. Right? that that's what we've always thought that evil was going to come and that evil is this ugliness and that everyone would just recoil at, at it. No, evil is subtle. It gets in and it plays on your emotions and it tries to make you feel bad and feel sorry and it plays on your empathy and it plays on your good trying to be a good Christian who cares about other people no matter what their sinfulness is yes God accepts them he wants them to come but then he wants them to recognize where they have fallen short because he wants more for them but that is not this message this message is to accept the way that, that you are. And you notice the connection between they're just the same as the Gentiles, just different. Do you know how much of Scripture you have to throw out? You have to believe if you go down the path of our current sexual stuff that's going out there, you have to believe that God lied whenever he said that he created man and woman. You have to believe that God lied whenever he said his desire was for a man and a woman to come together to have children. Guess how you don't have children, that you can't have children. So I, I know there's lots, and I know people can be born with a, 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 a inclination towards unhealthy sexual behavior. I do believe that. But everyone has a choice. And God wouldn't have told us that one of the things that we are do, to do is to procreate if we can, right? If we had no choice but to only sleep with someone who we couldn't procreate with. Right? Also, if you just want to use Darwin's uh, illustration, right? The survival of the fittest, the species, the desire of a species is to continue to procreate. Guess what is not inherently natural in that? Homosexual sin. Now, again, we have to understand this is being manipulated, and if we allow it to come in, it crumbles all of Scripture. And, and we are at war right now. You know what? I mean, we have, we have things flying over us 
like that are being shot down now that have never happened before. I have no idea what it is. I hope it's for aliens. I really do. I have no idea. And I, I will say, take me first because I don't, I'm done. Right. And, and all of this stuff. And there's things going around in the world that are that are very concerning. But you know what? The problem is in the house. It's already here. It is in our country. It is dividing. It is destroying. And, and, and it is, we are so addicted to just wanting to be nice and to be comfortable. And I want to be nice to people. We should be nice. You should not treat someone the way that I talk to the fits on the phone. Right? That was wrong. And if I ever meet Fitz, I will apologize. Okay? And, but, but we, we are, we are, we want that comfort so much. And I, and I know I ask a lot of you because many times you just want to come to church just to be encouraged. And I want to encourage you. But guess what? We're not preparing for a fight. We are in the fight now. Do you want your children to be able to know what truth is? Do you want your children to be able to grow up, not just in a free country? Obviously, I want that. But do you want them to be able to grow up to know the one true God, not this bastardized gospel that people are spewing? Of course. And we have to be aware of it. And I hate that we're in this place. I hate Satan for deciding this is the time that he's going to rise up. Because frankly, I'm lazy. I would rather just be able to come and tell you that God loves you and that everything is okay and society's going well. But it's not. And, and I know that most of you are more awake or you would have got up and left or already left. But we have to be reaching out to our friends and family. We have to be waking them up in gentle ways because this can be hard. And that's uncomfortable because here's how my day kind of goes. You wake up and things are going okay. And then you start doing some research and looking and preparing and you start beating your head against the wall. Right? And then you, you okay, no, I'm, that's not a good way. And then you continue to prepare and you go hide in a closet in the fetal position because you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is overwhelming. The darkness is everywhere. And then you get home and then you realize, you know what? But I have a wonderful family. I have a wonderful church family. There's so much joy. And I'm going to enjoy coming to a Super Bowl where I'm going to see things that remind me of the darkness, but I'm still going to enjoy just getting away. <laughs> Like we have to find ways that we, we enjoy life because guess what? That's what God wants for us. He says that's how we push back against the darkness is we're able to, to show joy, to experience joy, to experience peace, even as the world is collapsing around us. And I encourage you to hold on, hang in there, but do not bury your head in the sand. Because, but because the calls for help are coming from inside the house. Remember that, that scene from Scream so long ago? And they're like, somebody's out there. You know, it's, it's out there. Please come do something. And then the, the 911 says, uh, sorry, the call came from inside the house. Right? I mean, like, it's, that's legitimately terrifying. Yes. 
We're pretending. We are too many of us are pretending that it's out there. And we recognize it. And so, uh, God, it, look, look, it's bad out there. And God is saying, wake up. It's already in. And my house has no place for it. And you have to kick it out. You don't pray it out. You can pray. <laughs> That's part of the process. But you don't just sit there and go, oh, okay, well, you know, they're really sweet. You know, that I guess, I guess we just be nice. No, we are in active war mode. And I hate using this language, but that is where we are. And we have to be willing to, one, recognize that and then seek God's wisdom, one, so that we don't get caught into sharing the evil, right? When it says to be innocent of evil, that's what it's talking about. So we don't do that. We cling to what is good. We don't know what the outcome is, except eventually Christ will come and he will crush the head of Satan. And we will stand up for what is right and true until that time. None of that was planned, but the calls are coming from inside the house. But you know what? (laughs) We know how to answer that call. And it's to be true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The true, full gospel of Jesus Christ that welcomes everyone and then calls everyone to change and to become the people that God created them to be. And the gospel will tear the veil away and to remove those who have been deceived. And that's what we pray for. That's the message that we share. Let's go to him in prayer.